Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Some interesting comments from Larry Fitzgerald, who's not always that outspoken. A very honest Patrick Peterson about himself and the defense and why facing a backup quarterback may not be ideal, at least not this week. And maybe that's just me. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 328, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So over his 17 seasons in the NFL, Larry Fitzgerald, MJ, has done a very good job, and he's learned from some of the best who have played here ahead of him during these media sessions of saying a lot without saying anything, if you kind of understand what I mean, because it's not often that he will say something that will raise an eyebrow or all of a sudden, not that it's controversial, but unlike Fitz. So earlier today, I thought, for me anyway, and unlike Fitz's comments when he was asked about is Sunday a must-win game, not only did he agree, but he reiterated it is a must-win game going to the Jets on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Now, we can argue back and forth as far as what a must-win game means, yet it is, I thought, interesting, and maybe it was maybe more of Fitz speaking to his teammates through the media perhaps but putting that pressure on the team that you go to New York this is a must-win game here in only week five yeah you know I, I would have thought after the Lions game you know I always talk about going on and try to avoid losing streaks I mean there are, I mean Kyler says they're all must wins uh, it's just when you lose two in a row and you, you gotta you know Got to go on the road the, I mean, uh, the next couple of weeks. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the get-back coach on on, on the field where you, you, you got to get the players so they don't step on the white line unless you're Antrell rolling the Super Bowl. Um, this, this is a get-back game. They got to get this game back. And the problem is, though, and you, you just can't um, leave out the AFC teams but you want to win NFC games, but this is the next one in your schedule. That's why at the end, now granted, they only played one division game and they have that, that a road win. Um, but obviously, you know, beating the Washington football team, but losing to the Lions and, and the Panthers, that's going to come up in tiebreakers at the end of the year. So take care of business against the AFC. And uh, obviously the biggest game there will likely be the Buffalo game at home, New England. And then we'll see what Miami does because they play them on back-to-back weeks against the AFC East. Now, by definition, only an elimination game is a must-win game. And this is something that I learned back in my earlier days when I was covering the Phoenix Suns when they were actually making the playoffs and doing well. And Steve Nash would always say that when it was asked because it's a natural question from the media, must-win. You know, you don't want to fall down two games or down three games. And Nash would always say, look, there's going to be a game tomorrow. There's going to be a next game. Whenever there is not a next game, when it's 
you're down three games or it's tied in a best of seven series 3-3. That is a must-win game. Yet I understand what Fitz was talking about because he did add this, quote, we need to be able to keep pace. And he was talking about the rest of the NFC West. And that's something that I've harped on with the loss to the Lions and then last week as well to the Panthers. It's not so much, well, yeah, they're not playing well, but it's also that the rest of the division keeps winning. The Seahawks, 4-0. The Rams, 3-1. The 49ers, given all of their injuries, they keep winning. They're 2-2. So right now, you're in third place if you're the Cardinals. But looking up at a Seahawks team that, I don't know, do they go to 5-0 and this week when they host the Vikings? The Rams are on the road at Washington with Kyle Allen as Washington's quarterback. So I think Fitz made a good point when he added that caveat because if this team, and we've always said this is the year to make the jump, but in order to make that jump, you need to be close enough to the teams ahead of you to leap over them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the example on, on the NBA and Major League Baseball. And, you know, in college football, you can lose maybe one game um, and get to the uh, championship game, at least the playoff. In the NFL, there's only 16 games. And, and, and that's the beauty of the NFL where, you know, Monday and Tuesday you kind of reflect and then Wednesday you start to move on. Uh, but let's be honest, the Jets are struggling. Um, you know, we're going to get into their offense today because, you know, Flacco could spin it. Um, you know, he had a neck injury and he's missed a lot of time. He didn't do, get a lot of reps in training camp. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where if this team wants to get to eight or nine wins and we think that's feasible, um, these are the games you got to win. Uh, and we could have made the case, you know. I, I want to give uh, Carolina credit, though, because they had a plan and the Cardinals didn't respond. And hopefully it's a wake-up call. I thought after the Lions game that would have been a wake-up call because – you just can't um, lose games in the NFL um, when you get to the fourth quarter. I mean, I always say good teams find ways to win, and there are times on game day that bad teams find ways to lose. Well, the optics certainly would not be good if the Cardinals are on the short end on Sunday, and that will be all of the conversation, not only locally but nationally, when you lose to a winless ball club, yet at the same time, it's falling further behind depending on what the rest of the division does, what the rest of the conference does. And for me, that's what I look at because there are certain ports of the season that, all right, you lose this game, but all right, well, the Seahawks lost, the 49ers lost, the Rams lost, so it didn't really hurt you as bad. That, I think, is where the Cardinals are at, and I think that's what the fans should expect now that gone are the days of just incremental improvements. And I think we all want to get back to postseason football, which we haven't had since 2015. Well, and, you know, the teams in the NFC West played the same 14 games. Now with the Niners winning the division and, and representing the conference, winning the division, they had to play basically two number one seeds. Cardinals, they're two games against teams that finish in the same uh, position as them were the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers. So when it comes to the Rams and Seahawks and 49ers, they're playing a much better teams. I mean, i got to think some play the Saints. Um, you know, so then that's the beauty of, you know, obviously getting a first-round buy in the playoffs. If you win your division, it doesn't matter. Um, and now this year, I mean, there's going to be a lot of emphasis in Week 16 and 17 because there's only going to be number one seeds in each conference that get a buy. 
So, you know, it looks like the next Super Bowl winner is probably going to have to play four games in the postseason. So, again, uh, we know that, you know, it was going to be an adjustment, I thought, more defensively than offensively, just because you always point out, and correctly, um, they really added Hopkins. You got the same roster, but, you know, they got to stay in the race here. And that's why you got to avoid losing streak. And I'd like to see this team, you know, go on a winning streak. It's going to be tough against Seattle. Uh, the Monday night game, even though Dallas can't stop water right now, um, you're going to, you're still going to, you're going to have to score points in that game. But our focus right now is on the Jets. Absolutely. As we continue here on a Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, the other player that addressed the media earlier on Thursday, as he does every Thursday, just like Larry Fitzgerald, Patrick Peterson, who certainly has come under the spotlight based off his performance the last couple of weeks and specifically against the Panthers. And I thought a very honest Patrick Peterson addressed the media and answered the question specifically about what is happening in that secondary and how teams, specifically the Panthers, MJ, seem to be picking this defense apart with the passing game because everything was appeared to be wide open. But Peterson did acknowledge that, yes, teams are beating me over on the over route. And then he mentioned the communication that is not happening, that needs to get better because if the Cardinals are playing man-to-man straight up, as Peterson mentioned, they're not getting beat. It's when it's – and it's not gimmicky. Everyone, Every team does it. But when you put players in motion, receivers on the crossing routes, the rub routes, when there's a lot of motion, especially across the middle, that's causing some confusion amongst the Cardinals players. That needs to be corrected. And according to Peterson, it's going to get – corrected this week yeah he made a good point I mean they really haven't thrown the ball outside the numbers and I think when you're you got your fourth and fifth string safeties out there the middle of the field is going to be wide open but we watched that in in a couple games going back to the Washington football team with Terry McLaren uh, he was running a lot of crossing routes and that way to get open you know how I feel um, if you just get a beat on, on the defensive back and the quarterback makes a throw, he, you, you, you face the guy. So, in other words, you run the route and, and you get in front of him, and it's a, it's a good throw, and usually you get yards after catch after that. So, yeah, I, I still think they want to play that man, but I just think when you got really fourth and fifth string safeties out there, um, the middle of the field is going to be wide open, and, and I think that's shown over the last couple of weeks, even going back to the – Washington football game. Well, we see it in basketball as well when they run the pick and roll. The defense, do you stay with your man or do you switch? And I think that's what the Cardinals right now are trying to figure out. Do you stay with your man or do you switch? And sometimes there's collisions in that secondary. And then all of a sudden you got two guys running free. It was interesting to hear Peterson and defensive coordinator Vance Joseph use the same verbiage. Quote, you have to get it off tape. End quote. And it's no different than what we talked a year ago with regard to the tight end. Until it's stopped, teams are continuing to use it. Heck, they might even tell you what they're going to do because if they execute it and you're not ready for it, it doesn't matter if you know what's coming for you. You have to be able to stop it. And right now the Cardinals, specifically on Sunday in Carolina, unable to stop those routes. And you could see Vance wasn't very happy with the uh, time of possession Again, that could be misleading, but when they had the ball on third down, they were very effective in the red zone. And let's be honest, the defense was on the field too long. 
Time of possession also equals more offensive snaps for the opposing team. And then, you know, I, I, I thought in the Detroit game they were trying to keep the Cardinals' offense off the field. Based on Bridgewater, he said, no, we're going to be aggressive against this team. So it wasn't really that. Um, but clearly, if this team's going to make their mark, we always say contain the run. But really, it's third down, red zone, and points allowed. Teams are going to go from the 20 to the 20. It's what they do in the red zone. You know, you know the extra points, 33 yards now. So you figure it's 18 yards behind the line of scrimmage. But those are three things they want to hang their hat on. And when they were winning the first couple of weeks, that that was the Cardinals were one of the best teams on third down in the red zone defensively. They're still a top 10 team on third down, despite what the Panthers were able to do. But those three categories, Vance Joseph specifically mentioned, and then he brought up the tackling. And yes. that was certainly something that we all saw. Jordan Hicks, when asked about it immediately after the ball game, wasn't quite sure. And I think after looking at the tape, he'd agree with the assessment. In fact, it wasn't just bad. According to Vance Joseph, it was, quote, atrocious. So, and that is something, how do you work on tackling here once the season starts? And even during training camp in the offseason, a regular offseason, a regular training camp, how do you practice tackling? Because it's all about trying to make sure you stay healthy and teams have to kind of figure out what's the best way to get the body conditioned and your mind conditioned and just getting that feel of what it's like to tackle. Yeah, I think uh, just having Buddha on the field, one of the better um, open field tacklers, uh, his ability to play in the box and, and cover, one of the best safeties in football. Um, so I think that, that that will go a long way, just having him back on the field. But, you know, you're out there um, when it comes to the open portion of practice. And every I like what they do. They take different positions and they go with different position coaches. And today they are on the bag where Billy Davis is holding the bag and, and they got to literally use their technique, head up, and grab grab the bag and go through it. And so the D-linemen do it. The outside linebackers, inside linebackers, corners, safeties. And so that's a drill where it's really technique. And we know when it comes to tackling, it's want to. It's like grabbing a rebound. It's there. Go get it. But, again, if the Cardinals, I think it's important. I mentioned this yesterday. To get a lead in this game and just, I mean, if they win by one point, we'll take it, move on to Seattle. That's just how the NFL works. But I think that team with the distractions they have, they don't have their starting quarterback. Um, maybe you can jump on them early to where they're starting to look at the clock. Um, what time is the game going to be over? With regard to tackling and that technique that they work on, it's great, yet at the same time, it's not moving. It's not trying to juke you and make you miss. And I think that is something that really needs to be hammered home because that was happening a lot in Carolina. And it's not just one player, but yeah. when the ball is in a certain area, it's got to be like several different hats converging on the ball carrier. So if one guy takes a wrong angle, there's someone right there to make sure a two- or three-yard gain doesn't turn into a 13-, 14-yard gain. Yeah, I thought Campbell took some bad angles. I thought Reddick took some bad angles. And, and, and again, those guys are more front seven guys. We know Campbell can cover down the field. Um, yeah, I mean, but the one thing, though, is they do have that uh, device uh, drill where the the it's a, the pad does move. So it is a striking target, 
but you're right. It's not the same speed, and a guy can't, you know, cut. It's it's really north and south. Um, so, but those are some of the defensive drills they do. To, again, eyes up, head up, wrap up, tackle. You brought up Buda Baker, and we haven't heard from him since his thumb surgery, although on social media he certainly made a comment. It was two shush emojis and then I'm back, exclamation point, praying hands. And that was after yesterday's practice, and it should be noted that he's full participant in practice despite that thumb wrapped up, and I think that is some good news for the Cardinals. Not only will he be on the field, but there are no limitations, at least right now, ahead of Sunday. And then you have his teammates, including Larry Fitzgerald, who called Buda Baker, quote, nobody means more to this football team than Buda Baker. You can take that to the bank, end quote. Larry's made some comments over the last couple of weeks. Kyler Murray's the most dynamic player uh, in the NFL, I would have said right now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Fitz is slipping a little bit in his quote-unquote old age. Yeah. Hey, he would know more than I we know, so he's there every day. But, yeah, he, I, I would say he's the heart and soul of that defense. I, I know Chandler, obviously, and Patrick get the headlines if they're not playing up to par or they're not filling up the stat sheet. But this guy... You can pencil him in nine, ten tackles, a couple tackle for losses. Hopefully he gets his first interception. You know, we know he's got the scoop score for, for a touchdown, but I think he's really the, the glue or the heart and soul of that defense. Yeah, he corrects a lot of the mistakes. He's an eraser. Joseph, that's what Vance Joseph called him, an eraser. And whether or not his presence would have mattered in the final outcome in Carolina, maybe we're talking about a much closer game not as much of an embarrassment that it was last Sunday. So certainly good to see Buda Baker on the football field and hopefully his return sparks a turnaround for this team as far as getting back in the win column. Bird Gang update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. All right. Yesterday, we kind of touched on the Jets' defense, and it was kind of more about their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, and the concern that I personally have whenever Williams is on an opposing sideline. And I think the Cardinals are aware of what his resume is and his reputation. Now let's look at the Jets' offense and what the Cardinals are going to face. And the biggest news, as we touched on yesterday, was a new quarterback, Joe Flacco, will be the starting quarterback for the Jets. Sam Darnold ruled out with a shoulder injury. One, I'm a little surprised Adam Gase made that announcement so early in the week. Gamesmanship, you hold off until Friday, you list him as questionable, and then you make that quarterback change on Sunday because now you get teams and Vance Joseph to prepare for two quarterbacks. Now, with that news coming out on Wednesday, Joseph and the defense can just concentrate on one quarterback. I think the Jets, the fact that Sam Darnold come out and said he would like to play, but, you know, Wednesday and Thursday are huge. Who's going to be your starting quarterback? So, yeah, you can play gamesmanship. But I think they, on the outside, they don't want to look like they were reckless, whether Adam Gase is there next year. 
at some point Sam Darnold will return. He is the future, and and probably why that job is going to be attractive is because of him. Now he's got to get on track. Um, so I, I I see what was going on, and plus he he needs a first team reps. He you know he's probably not taking a ton of reps. And James Morgan is their third string quarterback, so I got to think he's going to be active. But you know uh, I know a lot of Cardinal fans liked uh, Makai Beckton coming out. And uh doesn't appear that he hasn't been ruled out, but, you know, what's going on with him? And maybe he was misdiagnosed by the team doctors, allegedly. So you're not going to have your starting left tackle, who obviously was a high draft pick. You told me before the show, Bashard Perryman has missed some time. Chris Hogan, who's bounced around from New England, Buffalo, Carolina, and now the Jets. He's never really been a physical guy. Um, he, he seems like he's always with ribs and, you know, those just little things that he can't take to with, um, withstand the NFL season. But he's a he's a good slot receiver to where, you know, he can get off, he can get open. But Jamison Crowder is really their their guy. I mean, so um, the tight ends, not really. But I like their offensive line. I think they uh, they got a good offensive line coach, but I just don't think they have the talent to score 30 or 35 points. Now, when I say that, they did put up, what, 30 against the Broncos, 28? 27. 27, thank you. Yeah, so they I'm are sorry. Cap- I'm sorry. It, it was 28 points. You okay. were right. They, but so they have the ability. Now, Denver's a little bit different defense without Von Miller, um, and they won, they won with the third-string quarterback. Well, you look at this Jets offense overall, 31st in points per game. They're scoring just over 16. They're tied for 31st in yards per game. They're 26th in rushing yards per game, 32nd, which is dead last in passing yards per game, 31st in the red zone, 32nd in goal to go, 30th in time of possession, 28th on third down, and they have not converted on five opportunities on fourth down. So these numbers, MJ, are certainly not pretty. Yet what do we always say? This is something that we are reading off of paper. It could be quite different when you get on the field. But this is what the Cardinals are facing this week. And that's why I think a lot of people not only expect, but go back to what Fitz was asked about, must win because you can't lose to a team that just doesn't do a lot offensively. Yeah, you know, all the um, accolades and you know from the national media, how much this team improved by bringing in Hopkins, obviously making some uh, additions on defense. You lose that vibe if you lose to the Jets. So I don't even want to think about it because all that – Good karma you built up and being in the second system. Now, Gase has been there as long as Kingsbury is the head coach. He's had Sam Darnold. His first time he's, well, last year, Darnold suffered from mono and they played David Fails. And now, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those situations where, I mean, I know it's the NFL and anything can happen any given Sunday, but this is a team you should go out there and beat. I mean, they got to play physical, you know. Football comes down to blocking, tackling, execution. I know it sounds simple, uh, but sometimes we, uh, we 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 can look at different matchups. But what what, what I think you, you and I are agreeing with, I mean, we talked about it on Monday, is 
Their five-star players need to play like five-star players. And I'm talking about Murray. We know Buddha's done that. Hopkins has done that. Patrick needs to play better. Chandler needs to play better. Larry needs more opportunities. And then the offensive line, they got to protect Murray and get that running game going. Kenyon Drake, he's got to break out um, one of those, you know, extended long plays, whether it's a seven-yard gain or 12-yard gain, and then utilize Chase Edmonds. So, um, again, I just think you jump on them early. Um, I think they're going to be looking at the scoreboard and look, looking at the clock saying, well, you know, here we go again. We're not going to win this game. Yeah, that, don't. That, that's just human nature. Yeah, don't let – a bad team linger. Don't give them any confidence that, hey, you know what? We're hanging with them. It's the yes. fourth quarter. It's anyone's ball game. One bad snap, one mad mistake, and all of a sudden, you know, they're celebrating their first win. So, again, where we are right now, certainly very confident. Though I'll say this, and I mentioned to you before the show, and you even kind of noticed it yesterday when I was talking about Sam Darnold not being on the field and them going with Joe Flacco. The one thing about this is Flacco, yeah, he hasn't been playing a lot, but this is a veteran quarterback who's a backup. He's been a starter in this league. He's led the Ravens to multiple playoff appearances. This is not just, oh, ho-hum backup because we need a backup or it's a journeyman backup. This is a legitimate starting NFL quarterback. Now, his best days are behind him. But now he's stepping up with a full week of practice. It's going to certainly look a lot different because, as Vance Joseph said, you know what you're going to get. Flacco is going to stand in the pocket. Darnold was more mobile. Yet, for some reason, MJ, there's a part of me that just not scared or anything like that. But I would prefer Darnold just because with Flacco, he's seen defenses. He can stand there if he has the time to kind of dissect what the Cardinals are doing. And if he's got some receivers who can catch the ball, then maybe they can move the ball up and down the field. Maybe, again, maybe it's just me, but when you have someone like a Joe Flacco backing up, that all of a sudden I think changes things just a little bit. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather face um, Flacco because Darnold, is a, he could be athletic. Um, I just I think they're going to try to run the ball, um, time of possession, total plays, but they you know they can't afford to go three and out. We're going to see a lot of uh, Frank Gore and likely Le'Veon Bell. So that's a good one-two punch. Um, you know, obviously Gore's more probably short yardage. Bell's effective in the in the screen game. And then they'll take some shots down the field to kind of loosen up the Cardinals, um, you know, defense. But I do think they're going to run, uh, run the ball. And the fact is that Flacco, he really is a Statue of Liberty, but he can make the throws. But I just don't think he's very mobile, and he's going to hold on to the ball because he hasn't played in a while. He's going to try to make the right uh, read, you know, because Dave Brown always told me, if you see a guy open, throw it to him. Don't worry about it. because And now was referring to an undrafted free agent quarterback he would always into because he got guy was trying to make the perfect throw, and he said, just when you find a guy open, just throw it to him. I think Flacco's going to go through his progression, but he's not very mobile outside the pocket. Now, just for fun, I went back and looked at Flacco's history against the Cardinals and also against Vance Joseph. This is his 13th year in the league. He's 1-1 one one in two starts against the Cardinals, beat the Cardinals in 2011, and then lost in 2015 at Arizona. 
Tyron Matthew, Dwight Freeney, Frosty Rucker each had a sack. Tony Jefferson had an interception. And we, of course, know how exciting 2015 was for the Cardinals up until the NFC Championship game. And then the history against Vance Joseph. First, when Joseph was the head coach of the Broncos, he beat the Broncos in 2018, throwing for 277 yards with one touchdown, and he was sacked twice. And then he beat Vance Joseph when he was the Dolphins defensive coordinator in 2016, and he lit up the Dolphins defense that afternoon for 381 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. It was his best game that season. So there is some tape, and Joseph certainly is aware of what Flacco has the potential to do. The question is, is he able to do that this week? Well, he doesn't have the same skill position players. Probably the same coaching. Now, he's he's a guy that knocked Peyton Manning out of the postseason in that division round. I think it was Jacoby Jones got back behind the coverage, and he, he went 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, played four postseason games, and they won the Super Bowl. So, I can appreciate those numbers, but they don't, he was on a good team and defensively they were, they were a force to be reckoned with. And then you look at, you know, just the running game they had, uh, the wideouts, the tight ends, the offensive line. So he was a Um, when he was with the Ravens, with the Broncos, not as much in the Jets to me that are just depleted at the skill position players. It's a good point. And again, maybe it's just me and we can all have a good laugh on Sunday yeah. on Cardinal talk is, as my concerns maybe hopefully are not. Uh, uh, well, I don't want him to throw, go 35 for 40, 350 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Because then there's quarterback controversy in New York. Yeah, although Flacco did when he addressed the Jets media earlier this week, he's looking to prove and show and change that narrative that he can still be a starting quarterback in this league. But I think, the, again, the best days of his are behind him. Now, he did get a little bit of work on that Thursday night contest against the Broncos. He was on the field for four snaps when Sam Darnold was having that shoulder looked at. He was two of two for 16 yards. So not much film on Flacco. And Coach Joseph mentioned they watched some Flacco film from Denver last season. And then when you're just looking at this Jets offense as a whole, if Le'Veon Bell is activated off injured reserve he's been practicing all week he's eligible to return hurt his hamstring in week one against the bills he doesn't have a lot of tape only carried the ball six times in that week one contest so you're looking at guys who have great resumes including a frank gore just are they past their prime has the game kind of gone along and left them behind I think, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to keys and, and X factor, I, I just think you want to keep Flacco inside the pocket. Yeah, I, he's not going to run. He may run out of bounds to try to get close to a first down, maybe field position, but keep him in the pocket, make him make the tight throws. And hopefully we'll talk about the Cardinals getting some turnovers because that will go a long way to help the offense. Well, maybe not only some takeaways, but some pressure. How about Chandler Jones having one of those multi-sack games like he did a year ago against the New York Giants? Same stadium, different team. Maybe this in the prime time as far as the New York media and that market size, maybe this is the week for Chandler Jones to kind of get on track, if you will, because I think we've all waiting for him 
after that one sack performance against the 49ers. So, and especially if Becton is unable to go, he's got a shoulder issue, has not practiced Wednesday or today. And now all of a sudden, what do you do at left tackle? And there's going to be a significant drop off because Becton had been playing pretty well for the Jets. Well, last week, Russell O'Kong didn't play little plate and he did a really good job on, on, on Chandler. But I agree with you. That's, if you don't have your starting left tackle, and they obviously invested a high pick in, in Becton, um, then there should be a drop-off. And, you know, I don't know the situation on Kennard. He was out there during the open portion. Still looks like he's rehabbing his calf injury. And to me, um, that means more time for Hassan Reddick and Kylie Fitz. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But Clearly, when you're, you don't have your left tackle, a guy they, they picked in very high in the draft, there should be a drop-off. Good transition there. Good tease forward, MJs. We let the Bird Gang know if you enjoy this Cardinals Cover 2 podcast, we invite you to subscribe to all Arizona Cardinals podcasts, Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Just go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud and subscribe for more information, go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. The injury report is out, which is what I was alluding to. MJ and Devon Kennard, even though he was seen during the open portion of practice, working out on the side and once again did not practice because of that calf injury. So he has not practiced now in more than almost two weeks, did not practice at all last week and the first two days this week. So certainly trending in the direction of no Kennard which would mean, as you said, more hysteric Kylie Fitz, perhaps some Isaiah Simmons yep. at the linebacker position, specifically rushing the quarterback. But Joseph was asked about Kennard's absence earlier today and said, quote, he's obviously being missed because, as we point out, who's that guy opposite a Chandler Jones who's going to take some of the pressure off? And without Kennard on the field, who has been playing well, someone needs to step up. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's been a good addition. I, I, I've mentioned he's gritty, he's physical, he sets the edge. But it's still early in the season. And, you know, hopefully, you know, calf, hammies, groins, high ankle sprains, they can linger. Um, and it's really difficult because he's, he's, he's got really thick legs and the calf muscle is, is where you push off when you're trying to run and stuff like that. So it may be best just to hold him out and try to get him healthy for the Seattle, if not the Dallas game. Also on the injury report, Jordan Phillips did not practice today because of illness, but some good news with respect to the health of the safety position. Chris Banjo on the field in a limited capacity. It's the first time he's been able to practice since hurting his hamstring. So you got Buda Baker, maybe Chris Banjo as a possibility. And then, of course, Deontay Thompson in the safety position. And that all of a sudden looks a lot better than where we were a week ago at this time. Night and day. I mean, just adding Buddha. And, you know, we didn't know about um, Jalen Thompson and Chris Banjo on Monday. Um, it was nice to see Banjo out there, even though it was limited. Um, it just gives you a sense of security where you're not relying. On, and we know that uh, Curtis Riley's on the practice squad. So you look at your starters, you know, Deontay Thompson, Buddha, then you can throw in Banjo. Uh, we don't know about T.J. Ward. Um, maybe they can make a move over the weekend. It seems like they've done that, but that's more for, obviously, position flexibility. 
And I'd be surprised if Jalen Thompson is an option this week just because he hasn't been on the practice field. He hasn't been designated to return as of yet. So maybe one more week for Jalen Thompson. And then that secondary will once again be full strength. Speaking of full strength, DeAndre Hopkins. Again, MJ, no issue with the ankle whatsoever. He's practicing, so all is right in Mike Jarecki's world of the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, and I did notice him out there, and he did have the uh, small tape job on his ankle, obviously for precaution, but reps, 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 execution. So I understand, you know, Larry doesn't practice on, on Wednesdays. Corey Peters had a day off. Um, once we get later in the season, we'll have more guys but I think it's important for him to be out there and, and running the routes and running the route tree, and it only can help him on game day. No, I don't think there's any question about that, although he certainly has produced when he is on the field on Sundays. The entire offense, though, in general, wasn't great against yeah. the Panthers. Before we uh, close up shop here on this Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, what do you make uh, Frank Gore doing what he's doing. You're a student of the NFL and the history of the game. And Frank Gore, much like a Larry Fitzgerald, just keeps right on going. He's number three, which is mind-boggling to me. But Frank Gore is number three on the NFL's all-time rushing list, which when you look at that list and you have a Walter Payton and a Jim Brown and an Emmett Smith, you're like, okay, well, which one of these guys doesn't belong? And no, Gore doesn't have the Pro Bowls and the All Pros, the MVPs. Yet, what is he? He's durable and he's reliable, and he's always there on Sundays, giving you what you need. Yeah, and it's very unusual for running backs to go into a 16th season. And, and I asked Larry about Frank Gore today, and also AD, which is Adrian Peterson. You know, he wants to play a few more years. And obviously they take care of their body. Um, he's a great locker room guy. Um, you don't hear him chirping at all. Um, I think he's good for the young guys in that locker room, just like what it's like to be a pro. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, it's remarkable that, you know, and I think Gore will get into Hall of Fame and, and Eli Manning, and some people will say longevity. But they put up numbers. Eli's got two Super Bowls against the, uh, you know, the New England Patriots. So I think Larry will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but, um, Frank Gore definitely is worthy of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I remember him in his heyday when he was with the uh, 49ers. He was a tough out. I mean, you couldn't tackle that guy the way he gets his pad level down. Um, I thought he really um, started his career off really good, and he's bounced around a little bit. But good to see uh, organizations and coaches and play callers um, know what he can bring to the table. Uh, you don't have to worry about your phone ringing after midnight. He's, he's just a solid pro. It was interesting when the 49ers played the uh, Jets, Frank Gore was very open and said, yeah, I'll end my career as a San Francisco 49er. That's his goal, and I think the 49ers would certainly be open to that. It's like, hey, you know, the uh, one-day contract, if you will, you sign, and then all of a sudden, you know, your career ends where it began and where you had your most success. So um, um, doesn't get a lot of attention. But certainly players know players, and he is one of the more respected players in the game. Yeah, like I said, you just, I mean, we see running back shelf life, you know, and you get to 30, look at the priest homes of the world, you know, it doesn't last. You take a pounding and uh, you leave the game, um, 
you know, in a better situation. But this guy's just been Mr. Reliable, Mr. Consistent, and Mr. Professional. All right, MJ. You know what you got to do, right? I know what I got to do. Come up with our three keys of the game and who's the X factor. And hopefully the Cardinals go up there and get a win. I don't care if it happens in the last minute, but I do think they're going to play a much better um, game from the first to the fourth quarter. Well, much like the Cardinals, you started off hot with your three keys and X factor, started off 2-0 and in the last two weeks. I don't know. So we're all counting on you because it begins on Friday. You bring it Friday, then I'll feel much better on Sunday. Yeah. I agree. And uh, practice makes perfect. And, you know, what you do on the, during the week kind of dictates what's going to happen on game day. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by a proud partner of Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omagro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.